Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. In today's episode, I have a couple personal anecdotes, a couple personal stories, uh, some updates, and I'm going to answer a couple listeners' questions that have to do with the adventure of being human. Now, first off, I want to talk about a personal mystery that I have been unable to answer, and that is, why do my recording levels change from one time to the next? In the software that I use to record my episodes in, I would like to set my recording levels and leave them and have them stay the same every time. So I don't have to go in and tweak them every time I start recording. And one would think without any intervention, any, you know, human intervention, that they would stay the same. But that's not the case. Not with me, at least. For some reason, the sound levels, the recording levels vary from recording to recording. I have to go in and tweak them every time. Well, that's an exaggeration. Not every time, but more frequently than I would care to do. And so that's just a personal mystery. I I just don't know why that happens. I don't know if it's something going on with me, something, maybe it's my cat. Maybe it's my cat walking on my keyboard. Who knows? I'm sure since I've now posed the question out to the universe, I will receive an answer at some point. (laughs) That's just the way it works. The other things I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give you an update on my wife's uh, journey, our quest out into East Texas, looking for some place to, a new place to call home, looking at the different communities, different ranches and farmlands that were out there, which by some accounts was somewhat disappointing, but it was what it was. But there was some gold that we took out of it. The other two topics that I'm going to address that some listeners have posed, one is how do we identify our passion? And the other is, what are my thoughts on reincarnation? Now, both these questions were in response to a question that I posed in the Facebook group, the Align Self Podcast Listeners Facebook group. I always have to take a breath before that because it's always a mouthful. The Align Self Podcast Listeners Facebook group, if you're not yet a member, you're welcome to show up as a listener. And when it's asked, how did you hear about the Facebook group? The answer, of course, is right here on the podcast. But I do want to say that there was a third question when I asked what's on your mind that had to do with the motivations of predators and abusers. And I think that deserves its own episode. I'm going to have to go deep on that, and I'll have to put an explicit warning on the topic because it's a topic you can hardly dance around. First, I want to talk about my little quest with my wife. We were looking for some property because we'd like some acreage. We both have ideas and visions for a retreat, a farm. We have animals, and we'd like, we'd like to be able to allow them to roam and not be restricted by neighborhood rules and prying eyes. I, for one, would like to have the freedom to lounge naked at my pool without the prying eyes of my neighbors. <laughs> but, you know, and that might sound like a very trivial intention, but it's my intention. You know, it's something that I would like to have the freedom to do uh, without regard to who's watching. The other aspect of our search is that when I was much younger, in my early 30s, I was told by a channel that I would end up on healing ground where people would come to me. And that resonated with me. It was something that I always knew that was in the background 
And so that's what, I'm at the point in my life where I'm going to gravitate towards that. There'll be an opportunity for retreats, for people to come and stay inside a community aspect. I'm not really interested in creating a commune, but actually an area or a land or a destination where people can come and explore. And then on a more practical side, as far as our practicality, we want to create a sustainable farm. I would like to create a foundation where we explore different sustainable practices and that can be replicated. Because if I'm perfectly frank, I have deep concerns with the quality of our food system, especially here in the United States. I grew up in a small community and we always had a garden, a very big garden. How big, you might ask? Well, 40 by 60 feet. I consider that quite big, especially especially when my father's rototiller, the, the machine that tilled the ground, broke. It was then my job to till the soil by hand. Combine that with my wife, who's an earth mama, and our affinity for fresh out of the garden produce, we want a garden. We want a, our own sustainable garden. Because right now, where we're currently living, we're running out of room in the backyard. Now, if you're not from Texas or don't know anything about Texas, Texas is quite large. And you could easily drive 13, 14 hours from side to side or top to bottom, <laughs> bottom to top, and, and never leave the state. There is a lot of real estate here. And there are different zones inside the state. Now, where we were looking in East Texas, it's considered the Piney Woods. And it's called that for good reason. There's an abundance of pine, and there's a good mix of oak trees and other hardwoods. But overall, the vegetation is a lot greener in East Texas. The area of Texas around Houston and on towards the Gulf of Mexico is a lot more humid down there. And then in Central Texas, there is the hill country. Many rolling hills, rocky outcroppings. It's kind of where the greenery meets the desert. Vegetation-wise, there's a mix of scrub brush and prairie grass and mesquite, yucca and agave and mountain cedar. And then on to the west, it gives the appearance of being flat, but it's rising in elevation from there all the way to El Paso. And in that area, it's a little more mountainous. It's the tail end of the Rocky Mountains. It's the same strata of rock that you'll find in Sedona and the Grand Canyon. But as you drive in West Texas, the overall experience is that it's just flat. I'm partial to the Texas Hill Country. My wife is partial to the Piney Woods. And so we'll probably find a place somewhere in there at some point or even somewhere else. We're, you know, all possibilities are on the map. So what happened on our quest to the east? I said it was somewhat disappointing. And that was only the fact that once we arrived, the places didn't have the energy, didn't have the vitality that we were actually looking for. The pictures and the videos that we had been looking at, of course, they put their best foot forward. But once we got there, things were quite overgrown, a little more run down, definitely a lot more work involved in what they originally kind of indicated. But as we drove out there, we did come across a couple small towns that were quite favorable, had good vibe, good energy. And so we added those to our short list. And like I said before, even though it was disappointing, what it assisted us in doing is refining our ask list, refining what we were actually creating an intention for. What attributes, what amenities did we actually want in the place that we're manifesting? This is actually a very poignant point that I would like to make as far as law of attraction goes, manifesting. Many times it seems like 
you know, the universe is delivering delays. It's always responding to our current vibration, our current offering. And so when a relationship shows up or an event or a circumstance shows up, it is in response to our offering at that time or just before that time. And while it may not seem like it was what we are actually asking for, what showed up is in alignment with what we were vibrationally offering. And if hindsight it's not exactly what you really wanted, this is your opportunity to actually start crossing some things off the list. Well, I know I don't want that now, but I do want this. And that's all as a result of you experiencing that which you don't want. As we move through life, we refine our asking, refine our boundaries, refine uh, the specifics of what we're actually attracting. And that's also in the process of us up-leveling our vibration, becoming more, becoming a more uh, authentic expression of who we want to be in the world. And as a consequence, what we choose to attract in our life is also upgraded at the time. This is why it's really important in many instances to say that the universe is always working on our behalf. The universe has our back. Everything is always working out for us. So if you currently find yourself in a situation that is less than desirable, we need to refine our asking. Get a little more particular, a little more specific. Sometimes that means stating our boundaries, stating our wants and needs in more uncertain terms with those people we find ourselves in relationship with. This gives them the opportunity, if this change is on their horizon, to step up and change according to what is working for them or will work for them. As I've stated before in past episodes on boundaries, there is a fear that when we establish a boundary, state a boundary, assert a boundary, that the other person might decide to leave might decide to say it, it's not worth it. And because of that fear, we choose not to express ourselves, not to state what we really want. We think we're keeping the peace, but what we're actually doing is perpetuating the current situation. We're not really telling the other person that, you know, this isn't working for me. This won't work for us long term. What you're essentially doing, and I know this is going to sound harsh, what you're essentially doing is lying to them. You're manipulating them in order to keep the peace. You're basically interpreting the world or not giving them all, in, all the information because you don't want to upset them. You're lying to them so they don't have to deal with the truth. But back to our trip, you could say on one hand, it was unproductive. We didn't come to any great realizations, no grand discoveries. And it could be considered a waste of time because we were on the road for about 12 hours, drove 400 miles. But this is the good side of it. We got out of the house. We work at home. And so for us to get out and see the different countryside, to experience different aspects of Texas, talk to different people, actually scratch some things off that have been on our mental list. For me, it freed up mental real estate. I was holding space for this, this ranch, this farm that we had been considering. And after realizing it just isn't going to work for us, just doesn't cut it. That's actually quite liberating. Now I'll address one of those questions from our listeners that was expressed in the, the Facebook group. And this comes from Destiny. She asks, how do you know what your passion is? Now, th this involves a myth that the idea that there is a passion out there for you, that there is something that you are aligned with that you came here specifically to do. The other fallacy that this perpetuates is that there is something out there, something outside of us 
that will make passion joy available. From a spiritual perspective, there is nothing here you are supposed to do. You have no job. The function of a job or works out in the world is a function of man, our mind, the material world. From a spiritual perspective, what we're here to do is actually choose how we're going to be in the world. You see, God got us all that is, doesn't care what we do. They care how we be, what is going to be our expression in the world. Now, when we're being a particular way, here's the formula. Be, do, have. If you're going to be a particular way, be authentic, be an authentic expression, then there are naturally certain things that you will do that is in alignment with how you choose to be. And when you're doing things that are aligned with what you choose or how you choose to be, then you will experience a certain amount of joy and bliss. When you are being doing that, then you are naturally aligned with source, with God got us all that is, because that's what God got us all that is wants for you. And when you're being in the bliss, being in the passionate work, being passionate with whatever you do, then you will start having everything you want. You'll start attracting everything that you desire. That is the vibration. That's elevating your vibration. One of the first steps in deciding or choosing how you want to be is identifying your guiding principles. What values do you want to live your life by? These are your highest priorities of life. These are the characteristics, the ideas, the beliefs that you have aligned your life with. You've decided that these are the most important things. If I live my life according to these values, these characteristics, these principles, then my life will have been worth living. One of those values may be to live with passion, that you are going to be passionate about life. And so in order to be in alignment, to do things that are in alignment with living passionately, there are certain things that are definitely not on the docket, not on the plan. Well, I've never had a job where I specifically clean toilets. I have cleaned toilets on occasion most definitely at home and sometimes out in the marketplace. When I have done it, I've done so with passion. I've done so with a sense of excellence, a sense of joy. There are no small jobs, only small people, small minds that perform jobs. Here's a parable you may have heard before that illustrates this point to a T. There was a traveler that came across a huge construction project it wasn't discernible exactly what was being built, so he thought he would ask a few of the workers. He asked the first one he came upon, What are you doing? And the man said, I'm laying bricks. The traveler asked, That's it? That's as far as I know, I'm laying bricks. Unsatisfied, he decided to ask a second stone cutter. And he asked this man, What are you doing? And the man smiled and said, I'm building a wall, and it's going to be an excellent wall. Still unsatisfied, the traveler asked yet another stone cutter. He asked, sir, what are you doing? The man looked to the sky and smiled. I am building a cathedral. The spires will reach up and touch the divine. It will stand the test of time. My children's children will love worshiping in this cathedral. All three men were doing the same work, yet they were being different about what they were doing. 
The first man had a job. It's just a simple job. I'm laying bricks. The second man had a career. He had an orientation to a function of fulfilling on a task. The third one had a calling. If we were to question or ascertain how long would these men stay in these jobs, stay in this function, doing what they're doing, the first one would probably give up at the first sign of strife. They're not paying me enough. I'm working too hard. They're not connected to an overall vision. The second one would probably last longer. But it's questionable what would happen after he completed the wall. Would he start on another wall and then another wall? How many walls is he going to work on before it gets boring or it's no longer inspiring? The job itself is not fulfilling his passion, not fulfilling any sense of purpose. The third man would probably stay there the rest of his life. He could continue to work right up until his dying days with the cathedral still unfinished because in his mind, it was a work that was going to be handed on for generations. If they didn't have the funds to pay him one week, he would still show up because he had a calling. He was following a vision. If things got tough, if things got harder and harder as time went, he would continue. More than likely, like I said, he would continue until he could continue no more. Tens of thousands of people start a podcast on a regular basis, and many of them give up after only two or three episodes. Sometimes they'll go for a month or two. But in their mind, they're looking at how many listeners they have, and they give up, and they ask themselves, why is it even worth it? What's the difference between them and me? When I started out, I had a mission. I had a message I wanted to deliver. I had a community I wanted to attract. Like I've said before, I don't need everybody to listen to this. I only want the people that are aligned with the message. They're looking for the information. These are the talks, these are the conversations that I wish I had when I was starting out 30, 40 years ago. But because I'm connected to a greater mission, I'm not as concerned about the numbers. I know that if I stay the course, that the audience will find me. And that's why we're approaching 300 episodes and 200,000 downloads. Two years ago, you could not look at the numbers and say that was predictable. But because I'm connected to a vision, because I'm connected to an overall mission, I feel as if the numbers are going to double this year as far as the podcast goes. But from my perspective, that's just incidental. From my perspective, I have work to do. I have a message to send. I have things to say. In many ways, I'm building a cathedral. With that said, there are some things, some things you can focus on, some introspective questions to ask that can uh, extract your priorities, extract some of the values that if these were being expressed in your world would be a profound difference. You would experience more joy, more passion. So what are these questions? What experiences have I had where I felt most alive, most vibrantly expressed, where it was just joyful doing what I was doing? And you can ask this question no matter how old you are. There have been experiences, and they don't have to be profound. One of my experiences when I looked at, it was me just gathering a bunch of friends and going off to the beach for a day. We laid around in the sand, drank coconut rum, played in the water. It was just a joyful day. The, the wind caressed our skin. There was just immense satisfaction. 
And then afterwards, we all went to a restaurant, we ate, we laughed. And if you asked any one of us at that moment, we all would have said, it was a wonderful day. And you might respond, okay, that's fine. You had a nice day at the beach. How does that factor into me identifying my purpose? Well, when I looked at this experience, I asked myself, what was I able to express? What talents, skills, abilities was I able to express in this event, in this scenario that gave me joy? Well, this whole thing started out with someone saying, I feel bored. There's nothing really to do, nothing on the calendar. I said, let's have an adventure. I am connected to having an adventure. And then I got to orchestrate an experience. I love experiences in life. So I called several people, friends of friends, to come together, creating a community. And then we just didn't go to any old beach. We caravaned to a beach that was 100 miles away. Pristine sugar sand. It was the ultimate experience. And again, it was in the vein of adventure. And because it was an adventure, each and every person that participated had the awareness that this would not have happened. It will not happen again exactly this way. It was a uniquely special moment, a uniquely special day. These are the type of experiences that I love to create and be a part of. But then I also realized that the whole aspect of that event would not have happened without me being a cause. I took responsibility. I exercised my ability to respond to life and create something out of nothing. So that's one experience. I identified five other experiences that were equally as you know impressive in changing the future of the world. Now, they were all pretty insignificant when you really took a look at it, but they were meaningful to me. And you ask the question, what do I get to express in this situation? What do I get to call forth that may not be called forth on a regular basis? Is there a commonality or a common theme between events? Yes, for me, it was the the opportunity to be creative, to be in an adventure. And I got to be the one that could declare the adventure, to be causative and creative in my life. These principles I now implement in every aspect of my life. And so it doesn't matter what I do. My life is passionate. My life is joy-filled because of how I show up. It has nothing to do with what I do. So destiny, that's my answer around passion. The other question came from Cynthia, and it was about past life regression. And that's all, all she asked. What about past life regression? Well, what about it? As a hypnotist, I have led people through past life regressions. I've also participated with other hypnotists that have hypnotized me to explore past lives. And I've had waking conscious experience of my own past lives. So I guess to answer a fundamental question, do I believe in past lives? Of course. Did I always believe in past lives? No, I did not. I thought they were just a play of imagination until someone handed me a book about Brian Weiss in the exploration of past lives. The more I read about it, the more intrigued I got, and I decided that I was going to get myself hypnotized and explore past life. And I have to say, once you have the experience of it, while on one hand it may seem like a play of imagination, there are real feelings that come up that feel all too real. 
and it adds a dimension of uh, validity to the whole process. And as a consequence, you can gather information. Uh, you can't really change what happened in the past. There are, there are some things you can heal as a result of knowing why you are, why you feel certain things in this life that don't seem to have any bearing on your past experiences in this life. Like, for instance, I used to have a hatred, not necessarily a hatred, that seems rather strong. I strongly disliked apple pie. I could eat it, but it would just, it just kind of made me sick to my stomach. And for years, I'd be at family outings, reunions, and different events, picnics, and people would always, Christmas too, they'd offer up apple pie. Oh, no, I don't like apple pie. You don't like apple pie? What's wrong with you? I, it would always get this response. And then I usually would just say, well, I don't care for any pie right now. And I just avoided the whole apple pie conversation altogether. Well, while deep in meditation one time, and you can revisit past lives in meditation, and many times I have waking revelations of past lives I've had in the past, <laughs> in the past, I can do that just by thinking of a particular time and a life springs to mind. Some people are like that. Uh, this has evolved over time as I've meditated more and more over the years. Wasn't always that way. But yes, some people have cognitive awareness, conscious awareness of their past lives. But back to my apple pie. This happened while I was deep in meditation. And I had the distinct feeling I was running through a dark forest. I was looking through my eyes. In my mind, in my experience, I was having an experience. I felt the fear. I was running in the dark. It was moonlit. I knew it wasn't really late at night. It was still fairly early in the evening, but the sun had gone down and darkness was ensuing. Then I was struck with the realization. I had been a slave. I had spent my whole life as a slave. I felt afraid. I was a young black man, 15, 16, 17, 18. I, I don't know for sure how old I was. Like I said, I knew that I spent my whole life being a slave, but I didn't know my parents didn't know when I was born. At that moment, all I was aware of was that suddenly I was a free man. I didn't know what that meant. I knew I was in Alabama, but I had no idea where I was going. I had nowhere to go. All I really knew at that moment, I was afraid, I was hungry, and I felt lost. I was running because I was afraid of getting caught. I felt if a white person caught me, white men found me, it would be terrible. I was running on adrenaline and fear. But then I saw it, a light off in the distance. It spelled danger to me, but it also gave me the idea that there might be food available. So as I crept closer, I could definitely smell something wonderful in the night air. This light off in the distance was a house. As I crept closer, I realized the smell that I smelled was a pie sitting on the kitchen windowsill. The kitchen was lit by a lantern, and while I heard voices, they appeared to be on the other side of the house. So I crept up close, and I really wanted that pie. I was so hungry. I reached up and touched the pie plate. It was hot, but not too hot. I pulled it down, and I started to sneak away with it. A few yards away, I stopped and started eating the apple pie. Next thing I know, someone screamed, my pie's gone. And it was less than a minute later, I heard the barking of a dog and voices coming my way. 
and I could not run fast enough because they caught me. I can remember the fear. It was so palpable. It was an older man, the farmer, and his three adult boys. They subsequently beat me, beat me senseless. I remember the pain and the feeling like it was never, ever going to stop. Then I suddenly went numb, and that's when they tied my wrist together and tied that rope to a horse. I remember the slap on the rear end of that horse, and the horse took off. But it was in that moment that I lifted up out of my body, and I could see the whole scene of standing next to my guide on top of the barn. And he said to me, it was a male guide, male angel, I guess, I don't know. Um, He said, rather matter-of-factly, you didn't need to experience that. The beating was required, but the horse dragging, you didn't need that. He said to me that the beating was a karma balancer. He said, in previous lives... I was the one delivering the beatings, and I needed to know or have the experience of being on the receiving end. But it was then that my meditation abruptly ended, and I just had the awareness, oh, that's why I hate apple pie. And I understand in the retelling of this, it sounds a little simplistic, but I learned so many things on so many different dimensions. In addition to that meditation, over the years, I've had four separate, I guess, formal inductions, formal past life regressions. And the details of each don't really matter, I don't think, not in this conversation, but I can tell you some of the things that I've learned about past lives. We all have them. We are born again and again and again. Reviewing a past life can be healing, not necessarily, but it can be. It can explain why certain things are the way they are in this life, but by and large, your path, your spiritual path, does not involve delving deeply into past lives. Your point of power, your agency is in this life. But just like that whole apple pie story, having the realization, oh, that's why I don't like apple pie. I can now eat apple pie. It doesn't bother me at all. And so in your past lives, there are some things that are incomplete, unfinished, never got resolved, and you carry that unresolution or that conflict or that inner turmoil with you into this life. And so it does appease the conscious mind to know, oh, that's part of my past life. I didn't do anything in this life. It just happens to be how things are. Part of that karmic balancing. But the life you're really supposed to be focused on is this life. And so I'm not going to tell you that you should investigate past lives It's Think of it more as a fanciful excursion. But if you feel that you have some aspects of your life that are tied to unresolution or uh, unresolved issues or circumstances in a previous life, then you can end that in this life. Remember, your point of power is now. You get to say, you can make the statement, I resolve all people, all present and past people of any wrongdoing. I am releasing the karma of the past. And this is your choice point. This is where you get to choose how you want to be in the world from this point forward. We just had a full moon. We're going to have another full moon the end of this month, double full moon. And then on August 8 is the Lion's Gate, a convergence between the sun Sirius and our sun and our planet Earth. In this alignment and with the double full moons, this is a perfect month to release the karma of the past, release things from this life. So how do you know whether or not you've carried something forward from a past life? 
Well, your story is that your life is the way it is because it seems like it always happens. It always happens to me. I don't know what's going on. Seems like seems like I'm cursed. Seems like so it feels as if you know something's going on beyond your control. You can't point your finger to what what exactly is the cause of it. And so once you recognize it, once you acknowledge it, you can either keep the story or release it. Power of a full moon is you get to release the past. It is the cycle of the moon where it's coming to its completion and then starting all over again. I've said this in a past episode, and karma, the it's karma is a belief. Karma is a belief that you accept, and your participation in the karmic cycle is one of choice. And in reflection, you can ask yourself, what lessons do I need to come to terms with? What do I need to embrace moving forward? Who do I choose to be moving forward? So, how many lives have you had? Thousands, thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands. You've died as an adult. You've died of old age. You've been murdered and died in horrible ways. You've died as a child. You've died as a teenager. You've died in birth. Each time you incarnate as a human being is is a soul experience. From time to time, you've held positions of importance in history, and other times you've been significantly less important almost can be considered nobody in the grand scheme of things. You had the life you had. You had the experience you have. Each incarnation is the soul's experience in the human experience, the human adventure, the soul's purpose in incarnating, the divine's purpose. God got us all all that is purpose is to expand possibility, to expand awareness. Each life is a knowing and each knowing builds on itself and in multiplies, there's multiple dimensions, multiplicity of experiences. Now, you'll find that as new souls come in, they're not necessarily new souls, but new people, new aspects incarnate, they're coming into the world with a greater level of awareness. They have more knowing or less uh, less forgetting about the spiritual experience. They as a younger, if you're in your teens and your 20s, you're probably having a spiritual awakening where it took me later in my later 20s and many people in their later 40s, 50s, and 60s. Each person is awakening at their own rate and pace. But you all, you younger folk, you youngins coming into the, into the world, you're hardwired with a certain knowing already in place. You know this if you've ever seen a child pick up a remote and be able to work the VCR. My father never mastered the VCR, didn't even come close. Show him the remote and he didn't have the first clue on what to do with it. Couldn't figure out what button did what. But then you have a two-year-old or a three-year-old and they can pick up a remote, they can pick up an iPhone and open it up and, and go through different apps and they just know. And so if you're coming into a spiritual awareness at a younger age, you can thank the people that have gone before you, kind of led the way, paved the road, For instance, in my life, I have hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours of meditation and personal investigation. But I stand on the shoulder of giants, seers and sages and other monks and people that have done this before me, lifetimes before me. I had a spiritual awakening, a kundalini awakening at age 28. In some respects, it's the spiritual work, the meditative work that I did before that event in this life. But it also stands to the work that we've done in previous lives, not only us per se, or our soul's journeys from lifetime to lifetime, 
but everybody. We are all one, yet we're all separate. We are having our individual experiences, but it's benefiting the whole. We're connected to God, God is all that is. We're connected to every other soul on the planet. Get this. A lot of people have this idea that there is one soul. Well, there is God, God is all that is. There is a spark of consciousness that is or informs our physical experience. But that spark is part of a greater whole. And you can have memories, access past lives of other souls. At some point, that soul has splintered. And you can have multiple experiences from a soul perspective in the same life. Or put another way, your spiritual essence, your spiritual being can have the experience of multiple lifetimes during this lifetime, all occurring at the same time, if time is a thing. I can remember, and I'll I'll give you the reference to um, Shelley Kerr is known as the past life lady, past life lady. She'll do a Zoom session with you and do a past life regression. I was in one of her little workshops, and I had the distinct memory in 1966 of driving a Ferrari through the Italian Alps. I was going through a tunnel. I spun out and I hit the wall. And when I hit the wall, I was snapped back and my, suddenly I was awake. I was aware, I had, you know, aware in this moment. And I thought, wow, that was 1966. I just knew the date so well. I just was aware of it. And in that moment, I realized, oh, we can have experiences in the same life from multiple souls. Another past life regression I had was with Jessica Faltut. I interviewed her for my spiritual adventure, The Gathering of Saints. Jessica led me into one of the more profound experiences I've ever had. And I won't go into the details of that life, but I remember having the distinct memory of my soul, my spiritual aspect, leaving the body. That was such a weird, interesting feeling, me actually lifting up out of my physical body. But what she provided me was an experience of life between lives. I got to meet my loved ones that had left me or that were there to meet me as I moved into the spiritual realm. It was there that I met my my wife of that lifetime that had left her body before me. She was there to greet me and meet me, tell me how much she loved me. And she absolved me of any feeling of guilt that I had during that life for her early death. I wasn't there when she died. I'm not giving you all the details of the story, but she died when I was away. And I always blamed myself. But after dying myself and meeting her in the spiritual realm, she absolved me. It wasn't my fault. It was just her time to go. There was nothing I could have or should have done. And what that told me is no matter how people leave, how, no matter how they die, their time is their time. And it's at that time, it is the fulfillment of their contract in this life. This is what I became, I became aware of in that life between lives, that as or before we incarnate is that we have conversations with other souls in our soul group, aspects of the group, and we decide that we're going to have an experience in this lifetime. They're going to be a particular way. There's, there's a loving agreement. I'm going to be an asshole to you in this life, and you agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And so in this pre-planning, before we incarnate in any given life, the particulars, the details aren't worked out. Kind of the scenario is there, but it's our ability to respond in that moment 
in order to extract a lesson to have an experience or expand on a different level. Another way of us thinking of it, I guess, is like, for instance, I went to Michigan State University. It could be said that it was pre-planned that I would go to Michigan State University. But my exact study, what I was going to do there, who I was going to meet, how I was going to interact, wasn't really decided yet. It was based on the choices I was going to make while I was in that environment. One thing about this aspect, though, that a lot of people don't really consider, because sometimes you meet someone that seems really wise, and you'll say, oh, you must be an old soul. Well, we're all old souls, because we're all part of the whole but the thing about that is, is sometimes we feel that if someone comes in that is particularly nasty or kind of egocentric, and we think that we are of higher spiritual evolution than they are, they could be a very high being just playing a role for you. For instance, I remember having an experience. I was driving in the Catskills with a friend of mine. We were on our way to a retreat, and I pulled over to pick up a hitchhiker noticeably they were homeless. They sat in the back seat and you could smell them from the front seat. And I asked him, friend, how far can I take you? I said, this is where we're going. He said, I'm just going a couple miles up the road. I would just appreciate it if you could take me that far. I said, sure, no problem. I asked him if he wanted anything to drink. We had some water in the back. He said, thank you. And he took the bottle. We went a couple miles down the road. He said, this is where I need to get off. I pulled over and let him out. And my friend was beside herself. I can't believe you picked that guy up. He smelled to high heaven. And I don't know why I said it this way, but, and I can't remember exactly where I heard it. I'm sure it was the lyrics of some song somewhere. I said, he's just another human trying to find his way home. I said, that could be me. It could be you. I would have wanted someone to pick me up at that time. And then I looked down and said, oh my God, I had $20 here in the console. It's gone. And then she said to me, I knew it. I knew he would have took something. I knew he, he was going to steal something. And I said, well, it's just 20 bucks. He probably needed it a lot more than me. Now, I'm not telling you this story, I, I guess, to, to point out how good a person I am. It, it just didn't bother me at that moment. And I don't know why it didn't bother me. Other times I've, I've lost less money in those circumstances, and it bothered me a lot. But in this particular circumstance, I just said he probably needed it more than I did. And it was her response that was so profound. Her eyes got big and it's like, I can't believe you're not upset. I said, what good is it going to do for me to get upset? It was just $20. In hindsight, that man I picked up was probably an angel, definitely a high being. Because of the circumstance that was created in that exchange, it transformed my friend. That experience made it possible for her to be more compassionate, more understanding, less judgmental. She just used that as, as, a, as a, 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 a jumping off point, a leap pad. Because of that rider in the back seat, she was transformed forever. This was a learning experience. This was an opportunity. It was, I guess, sliding doors, a moment of coincidence, synchronicity. So I'm telling you this, no matter who you're interacting with, what scoundrel do you have in your life? They are there for your evolution. And you can love them unconditionally for their participation in your life. Now, you don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it. Well, you have to accept it. They are who they are. They're presenting themselves the way they're presenting themselves. But we don't have to like them. 
Okay, let's see. What else do you need to know about past lives? If you're currently a man in this life, you've had a past life as a woman. If you're currently a woman, you've had past lives as a man. For some people, the gender confusion, you know, you're born a man, but you feel you're a woman inside or vice versa. That's because in a previous life, you were incomplete with your expression in that gender. Or you completely hated the opposite sex, the other gender. You were opposed to it. You couldn't identify with it. And so in this life, you were born into, quote unquote, the wrong body in order to have that experience of the opposite sex. But some people don't like to go along with the program. They So they say, somebody made a mistake. I'm in the wrong body. No, the universe does not make mistakes. You're in the right body. But if you listen closely to these individuals that are in the quote-unquote the wrong body, it's like I never felt comfortable as a man. I never felt comfortable as a woman. I always felt like I was supposed to be someone else. Well, if I've learned anything about being in this life, it's owning the circumstances in which you find yourself in, regardless of how much you enjoy it, regardless of how much you feel you deserve it. It is what it is. This is what you showed up with. Now, I happen to be a man. I don't necessarily identify as a man. I'll express myself as a man, but it's not the totality of who I am. When you embrace your consciousness, it goes beyond gender. It goes beyond your expression, whether you're a woman or man. And there's some people that play that game. They don't want to even own the fact that they have a particular body. I'm binary. I'm something in between. Well, from my perspective, this is where people get caught up in the form of things, not necessarily the essence of it. You can embrace all that you are. If you get upset for people addressing you in a particular way, I would question, where is that coming from? What are you avoiding owning? What are you not accepting? When we make a grandstand, when we make a big deal that other people accept us, we have yet to accept ourselves. See, when you can accept yourself how you are, the way you are, it doesn't matter at all what other people think. That kind of sums up most of what I know about past lives. Well, a lot, not all the nuances. But, it, you know, are our past lives a big deal? Yes. But no. In the grand scheme of things, you could go your whole life, this life, and not have any identification, no inkling, no perception of your past lives. And you could do just fine. Just be present to this life, make the choices in this life, choosing who you want to be. Following your bliss. Your true point of power is the present moment. The past is an illusion. Past lives, it's illusory. All time's happening now, of course, but you can send your consciousness to any place in the universe at any given moment in time. You can time travel. You can rewrite your perspective on the tra- on the past. You can rewrite your perspective on the past based on the perception this lifetime. If you feel you did something atrocious in a past life and you're paying for it this life, then forgive yourself. Forgive that person in your past life for what you did. There's no need to carry the punishment forward because one has to ask the question, why would that even be possible? Well, it's so you can atone for it in this lifetime. Release it, let it go, heal it, forgive it. Another way of thinking about past lives is just multidimensional reality. And this point of consciousness, this awareness right now is part of a multidimensional whole. 
And as you accept fully all the different dimensions of your past, potential past selves, potential future selves, you can have an experience of being whole and complete. So how can you use this in this life? So from the perspective of you are in the body you have, you have the experience you have, just from the gender aspects, how can you integrate the masculine aspects and the feminine aspects into a unified whole expression? To really expand on this, I'll do an episode at some point about the holistic aspect of masculine and feminine. I'm not saying male and female. I'm saying the masculine aspects and feminine aspects, such as the yin and yang in Taoism. For instance, how do you embody the masculine aspect of doing things or being in action and the feminine aspect of being in the receiving, of being open? The masculine aspect of rationality, logic, versus the feminine aspect of intuition and emotion. The masculine aspect of hard or strong, the feminine aspect of soft and yielding. You see, when we can embody both aspects and integrate them in a unified expression, then you can pick the most appropriate behavior, the most appropriate mindset, given the circumstances at any given moment. You don't have to have like the hammer, a one-size-fits-all approach. You can actually adapt and be more effective, more productive than if you only identify with one aspect. If you look at the yin and yang symbol, it is that circular symbol that is black and white with a white dot in the black field and a black dot in the white field. What that says is that there is a definite split, but you want an aspect of each inside the expression. Another way you can tap into quote-unquote past lives in this life is when you see someone in a particular situation, you say what I said inside that car in the Catskills. That person could be me. It could be you. And so how would I want to be treated in that circumstance? This is empathy. How can you empathize? How can you look at the situation from other people's perspectives? What are their wants and needs? What are they trying to achieve? What's missing? What is the essence of what's going on? What is the feeling after the feeling after the event? What feeling are we ultimately trying to connect with? These are the wants and needs that drive all our our action, all our motivation. And so when you can connect to that to the other person, to other people, what are they trying to get out of this situation, this scenario? What ultimate need are they attempting to fulfill? Then we come at it from a broader sense of awareness, conscious awareness. Another way to use this whole dynamic of past lives in this life is to ask yourself the question, what am I to learn or what is there available to learn inside this situation from this person? What greater awareness can I adopt as a result of going through this? How does this serve me? What does this now make possible? If you feel as if you've been punished again and again in this life for something that happened in a previous life, be willing to drop it. Be willing to let it go. Be willing to forgive. Most importantly, the person you're supposed to forgive is you. Identify those emotions which seem like they have yet to be addressed, yet to be processed. What great disappointment do you continue to live with? Are you willing to accept it? It happened. 
It just happened. And how you thought things were supposed to be, how you had planned for things to be, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. I don't know where this came from, but this scenario just popped in my head, so I'll relay it. It's as if you have this appointment with the love of your life. For one reason or another, you are separated, and you made the agreement that you will meet each other at the end of the pier at 9 o'clock on Friday night, some date in the future. And you realize, almost at the last moment, that you love this person beyond comprehension, and you are going to do whatever it takes to get there at that time. But on your way to the rendezvous, you have a flat tire. You're still hours away from arriving at your destination, and you go to get the, and you go to get the spare out, only to discover there is no spare. You look at your cell phone. There's no cell service, and it's in that moment you realize you're not going to make it. If they were there, they will only wait an hour, and then they'll leave. You will never ever get there on time. You will never ever be able to communicate the fact that you were on your way. I was coming. I was coming. Well, you didn't make it. The fact of the matter is that it was what it was. You had a flat tire. There's no way you could have gotten there. Oh, in hindsight, yeah, you could have took a plane. You could have took another route. You could have took a bus. There's a hundred other ways of things you could have happened. But when you look back at how things actually happened, it happened the way it happened. There's nothing you can change about it. The agreement was if you weren't going to meet them at that specified time within the hour, they were going to go on with their life. It was what it was. You can lament all you want. If only I had. If only we could. Well, it happened the way it happened. But it shouldn't have happened that way. But it did. So this lesson comes from past lives. You know, once the life is over, it's over. It was what it was. You had the experience you had. And so if you can accept things how they show up, and when it kind of rocks your boat, you say, wasn't that interesting? In the context of spilt milk, when you spill the milk, glass falls to the floor, all you can say is, uh, of course, but of course, clean it up, pour yourself another glass, and carry on. Now, when I say that, it sounds rather simplistic, and sometimes I realize there's a greater dynamic that we need to process. For instance, if you were planning to be an Olympic athlete and suddenly those hopes are dashed upon the rocks, it will never happen. That dream, all that thinking of all that forecasting, projecting out in the future, that's an energetic baby, so to speak, and it was aborted. In that respect, give yourself the space for the grieving process. This is acknowledging the disappointment, acknowledging the loss, identifying, yes, it happened, but actually acknowledging the emotional impact that what what happened, what, what didn't happen, that you wanted to happen. Decide how much time you need to grieve. Because if you don't decide, you're giving yourself permission to prolong the suffering forever, over and over and over again. You'll do that until you can accept it, accept what happened, accept the way things are. Then you can create from there. How this shows up in past lives, there in that past life, I didn't want to die. I didn't, oh, didn't plan on dying. I didn't, like... And they try and carry on what is unresolved into this next lifetime because it was never acknowledged, never grieved for, never accepted. One last thing about past lives. Recognize the need for the ego to be somebody. You see, chances are you are not Cleopatra. You're actually a slave girl. 
You are not Alexander the Great. No, you are a disgusting troll that cleaned up after pigs. What, what I'm saying is, you've done it all. You've, we've been it all. The real question is not, who were you? It's, who do you choose to be? How do you choose to be? That's a question I'll ask you again and again. And yes, lifetime after lifetime. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. <laughs>